0: Hey, welcome back to the Cash PT Lunch Hour podcast. Uh, today my special guest is Christopher Johnson and uh, Chris is like a really special guest of mine. I've been watching Chris's videos. He's probably pumped out more videos than me and everyone I know combined. And Chris has educated people on running and drills and I've used some of his stuff to help my own patients. And it's been long enough that I had a great visit with Chris out in uh, Seattle a few years ago. And he's a gracious host. so. Chris, thanks for coming back on the show. I think we did that uh, interview, what, five years ago, and uh, I really wanted to catch up with you, so I'm stoked for today.
1: Yeah, of course. I appreciate you having me on, and uh, yeah, it's nice to just break up the day. I just, as I mentioned, finished a a run on the treadmill after sort of coming out of a deep, dark abyss from the second vaccine, so uh, I feel like I have some life in me, so your timing's impeccable.
0: (laughs) Perfect. Uh, Well, man, so let's do this. Let's I want to kind of catch uh, people up a little bit, but I don't want to spend too much time on it because you can go w- watch that. We did that like Cash PT Cribs episode where basically I, I was just, ha- we were hanging out and I started interviewing you. I turned on my camera and it turned into this great interview, but can you give people a little like overview about, you know, what do you do? Um, who do you help right now and what you're most passionate about?
1: Yeah, I, uh, I suppose I'm a washed up master's athlete uh, at this point, but I am a husband uh, to my incredible wife Mimi who makes all this stuff possible. I have two young kiddos and uh, they're two and five and they're a trip. They keep us busy these days and uh, I'm an entrepreneur like so many people. I'm a licensed physical therapist and uh, I dabble in a, a bunch of stuff but you know I grew up on the east coast in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, western PA and uh, then did my undergrad at University of Delaware, stayed there, I was playing tennis throughout that time, uh, dealing with multiple injuries and surgeries, and uh, then that was my calling, and I stayed at Delaware for PT school, and then from there, migrated north to the Big Apple in New York City, and I spent roughly 11 or 12 years there. I met my wife, Mimi, and uh, and we relocated to Seattle, where she's originally from, and uh, yeah, here
0: we are. Dude, that's awesome. So. Gosh, so you right now, I think you're primarily, just to make sure that I got this right, um, are you still treating patients or are you primarily working like through your online programs or with other therapists?
1: Yeah, I sort of have a bunch of irons in the fire. You know, I do a lot of consultations, you know, sometimes that requires me to see people and follow up, but a great example, a guy just called and it was sort of funny. um, He called my Google voice and, uh, and I picked up, I was on the treadmill and that may sound strange that I would take that call, but this is a guy who's a, a runner and a triathlete who's dealing with an Achilles tendinopathy. So that gives him confirmation like, Hey, I'm talking to the right person. This guy's running as he's speaking to me. So, but he's someone who is working with a physician and a PT in the area, and he's spinning his wheels, and he doesn't want to go on to more invasive procedures or injectables. And uh, and he said, "Do you help people like me?" And I laughed. I said, "That's all I do." <laughs> and uh, you know, and sure enough, he made an appointment right away. Um, yeah. and so he's sort of like the classic patient that I see: someone who is driven. The, you know that running or triathloning is a passion of theirs, and that he doesn't have a lot of time to fool around. I got the sense that this is a busy guy and he just wants to connect with someone that he knows and trusts and is going to have confidence in helping him address his problem.
0: Yeah, right on, man. That's, that's awesome. And so where did most of those people find you? Are they, you know, like, I mean, is someone referred them to you or are they just like looking you up on Google? Like what, you know, this, do you know?
1: Yeah, this person got to me through word of mouth, through someone that he knows through a tri-group that he's either a part of or, You know, is affiliated with someone in the group, and that person had a good experience. You know, so I don't do a lot of marketing outside of trying to create an unmatched experience when someone connects with me, and to really take care of them with white gloves. And I I think that that was instilled in me during my time in New York City because I was working with a lot of high-profile people. But I try to apply that approach across the board. As long as someone is trusting in me to help them, I'm going to run through a brick wall and make sure that they have a good experience along the way.
0: That's awesome. So what I really want to know is, do you know your YouTube stats? Like, cause you've been making YouTube videos for a long time. Like, oh no, like how many videos do you have? And like, are they like, are people finding you from them? Or is this just like resources you're able to create for people in these days?
1: I'm sitting here laughing and almost crying because I haven't posted a video on YouTube in maybe three or four years, I want to say. Yeah. I started taking everything to Vimeo and that was a big mistake, you know, because I had 6,000 subscribers just sort of screwing around and putting videos up to really as a resource for people, especially patients and athletes who are trusting their needs to me. And I think that maybe it appealed to folks, maybe they thought some of these exercises were a creative spin on things. But I started doing everything on Vimeo, but going, I'm going to go back and start really focusing on YouTube for a variety of reasons, but Mm. you know, I, I don't think Vimeo gets the same viewership but the, the quality of the videos are good and you can yeah. protect them in certain ways so yeah you've but, like, yeah, created
0: some courses over on vimeo i think right that's, yeah yeah,
1: yeah i've put together some courses recently and so yeah you know the life of an entrepreneur you, you right. try things see what works see what gains traction and uh yeah move on
0: yeah speaking of that like what's been the thing that's worked best for you over the years
1: Uh, consistency. It's the same thing, whether it's training, whether it's physical therapy, just being consistent in auditing and reflecting on what you're doing. Uh, I think that people are just rushing from one thing to the next and we don't take enough time to reflect on things. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I think that if you don't, you're bound to repeat mistakes that you've made or to, to waste energy. So, but I, I also, I think I've been a, a student of movement and the research and trying to reconcile those things. You know, what I see in the clinic versus what I read in the research, you know, they don't always line up one to one. Mm. And the research a lot of the time is just by its nature will lag. And that's not a good or a bad thing. It's a thing thing. So, you know, trying to really say, you know, why am I seeing what I'm seeing? You know, is there a way to better manage this? So, yeah, it's time consuming. And, you know, look, a lot of these journal articles are boring as hell. But I think it's important to read through them and try to digest them and you may not understand everything I mean some of this stuff looks like a foreign language to me but you know the more I read it the more I start to become proficient with reading it and, Mm -hmm. and making sense of it so
0: yeah you've been great at that over the years like digesting the research and being able to like disseminate it out to the physical therapy public like I've gotten a lot of benefit from some of the posts you've made in your group just because I don't have time to go read the research and then think about how to do it, but I trust Chris and, you know, if he's like, you should be doing these things or this is what it's saying and it's inconclusive, like, I'm like, okay, good. So I really appreciate that. Like, is that something that you just decided to start doing one day or how'd you figure, like, you know?
1: Well, I think that we have all of these brilliant researchers and folks who are pumping out these studies. And I feel like because they're sort of technical in nature, it's tough to broach if you don't have some background or expertise on the topic. Yeah. So the unfortunate reality of that is their message gets lost in translation because these people are thinking on such a high level that it's sometimes tough for them to get that message out to the people who really would benefit from it. So I try to take a lot of this information. I, I suppose you would You know i guess you could call me a translational therapist Mm -hmm. is to take that stuff package it in a way that's you know that's fun playful um but is telling a story so it's sticky with people um and so i like with instagram right now i'm really trying to maybe this is a function of being a, a young father i'm trying to turn this stuff into a storybook you know and it's amazing to go back and read stuff like dr seuss the places you'll go that is a book about life and entrepreneurialism, right? You know, uh, and much more. And when you revisit this stuff later in life, when you have a little bit more life experience and perspective, it's just incredible. The, the core that it strikes with you. So I think a lot of this stuff is just a culmination of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's time consuming. I mean, I don't think people realize that like what I put together, someone asked me the other day, like, how long did it take you to put that carousel together? I'm like, the quick answer is about three hours. The, the reality is probably 500 hours, you know, because you had to, I had to go through a bunch of mistakes and I had to keep refining these exercises to get them to a point where they just look, you know, crisp. They're, you know, the posts are concise. And, you know, I, I think that's a challenge that we all face with putting out content is, people are just scrolling, 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 you know, mm-hmm. and to get them to stop is a tough thing. And then if you get them to stop, you better deliver, right. you know? So yeah, I'm preaching to the choir here.
0: Right. <laughs> well, you're preaching. I mean, but you're talking to me, but we're talking to a bunch of people, like thousands of people who are like, oh, I just thought I could put up a picture on Instagram and it'd get a bunch of li- like likes, or I don't know how to do it. I, I want to get a patient in, or how do I do these things? It's, so what you're sharing is um, really invaluable, but the lesson that I'm learning is it's not just the 30 minutes that it takes to put a post together. It's the hours and years of time you've put in uh, synthesizing, making mistakes and uh, figuring out what works for you clinically. And, you know, does it match up with what like other people say should be happening? Something like that, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think to, I think that is professionals and clinicians that we get tangled up in these formalities, which are all bullshit to me, you know, mm-hmm. um, I think that when you can put this stuff out in an easily digestible manner, you know, or you, you can write it at a fifth or sixth grade level, that the, the readership or the viewership will go up, yeah. you know, and I think that that's tough for people to come to terms with, because they want to sort of flex the fact that they have gone through a lot of this didactic training, and they do have a deeper understanding of certain topics that other people don't. Yeah. Yeah. But if you really know it, you should be able to boil it down that much further, you know, without being reductionist. Right,
0: Chris. When you write your content, like for whether it's specifically for Instagram or for, even for Facebook, I know I think outside of your Facebook group, I would want to know because you have a Facebook group for um, professionals. I think, right? Are you yeah, writing it? Clinicians. Yeah, clinicians. Yeah. Are you writing like your content for patients, or are you writing it for other clinicians? It's like, do you have a focus?
1: uh yeah and it depends on where i'm putting it out but nowadays i'm really trying to write i'm trying to speak to the public Mm uh because i feel like they're very they get pulled a million different ways and um and they end up it it results in inaction or they're subscribing to things that are outdated based on what we currently know Um, and i think with anyone you know that i work with or i interact with i'm always trying to you know, follow the CFU acronym of check for understanding first. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm trying to really speak more to the the masses at large. And when I say ma- avid endurance athletes.
0: Right. Right. And I think that's important because I want to bring this up and I, I, I would love to spend a few minutes talking about this. Like I had a, someone, uh, in the last week or so, um, who I know messaged me and was like, Hey, Aaron, you know, do you have a, you know, orthopedist or surgeon you recommend? I was like, well, tell me more about what's going on. It's like, well, my hip hurts when I run. Um, I was told I have a a thin cartilage and I, uh, but I don't want, but I declined an MRI and I can't really have a steroid injection. I just need to know where. And we chatted and I was like, what's going on? I was like, well, I think we might be able to help. And he was like, oh, I didn't know I could come see you first. Like I had, he had no clue he could come see me without referral. He thought he had to go through this. And in North Carolina, we've had direct access for well over 30 years. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and so one, when you're telling me like you're trying to speak to these endurance athletes, like they really need to know that we're a resource, but I probably 85% of them have no idea they could actually come see us first. Um, I mean, are you seeing this in your own experience where people are like, oh, I didn't know, Chris, if you only told me I could see you, I would have just said, make an appointment for me. I mean, are you seeing that?
1: Yeah. And I think it's among an older generation um, who really grew up where the doctor was a point person. Yeah. And I think with a lot of, you know, I, I end up consulting a lot of people in tech out here just because it's Seattle. And I'll tell you what, a lot of the, uh, you know, the younger generations are very resourceful mm-hmm. and they seek out who they think can troubleshoot with them and they don't give a shit about anything else, you know? And when they do connect with you, you know, provide that you, uh, you form a good Alliance, um, they're with you. They don't start hopping around, you know, they don't have time for it.
0: You know, it's interesting when I was uh, living in San Francisco and I was, and I was working as a massage therapist, had a handful of people say, Aaron, I just, I know when I tweak my back, I just need to come see you because I was, you know, I need to go see my massage therapist. Mm-hmm. Like I've not had anyone say, "Aaron, I know that uh, when I tweak my back, I need to come see you as a physical therapist." Like they just don't think it's that. It's weird.
1: It's like, why is that? Right? Yeah.
0: Like, what I want to know is how do we cha- how do we change that on like a cultural or global scale? Because we both know, and the people listening, it's, if you came to see me or you when you have back pain or knee pain, your outcomes are likely going to be better and l- less load on the healthcare system and less expense. Like mm-hmm. we can all agree on that but how do we change the culture around like, where do we go when we get hurt?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I won't claim to have that answer. I think that we make it readily apparent that we are well positioned to be the first line of defense. And And I tell people, you know, I really triage and troubleshoot. That's what I do, you know? Uh, In certain instances, if someone comes in and they have a bone stress injury, you know, I may be talking to them on the phone. I'd say, look, I would love to have you come and pay me. And you need to go. And um, if you were my son, daughter, father, brother, yada, yada, that I would, I would have you go see an orthopedist and let's just get imaging. So we know what we're dealing with because this is barking, um, like a bone stress injury Mm -hmm. and we need to be a a little bit more vigilant and it would be remiss of me to handle this any other way. Are we on the same page? You know, it, but I think that it is a, a problem that the profession has to solve. Um, and, and I think that we'll get there, but I think that we need to be a little bit more forthright in, in getting there.
0: Yeah. Do you think it's because people don't know what we do or we just do so many things it's hard to know like what we do because you and I have treating patients very different specialties, you know, but uh, we still help people in the same way, you know, and there are people (laughs) that do wound care and they do Mm -hmm. neurotherapy and they go to your home and, you know, like they do like oncology care and lymphedema. And I mean, there's so many things we do. I mean, do you do you think that that's the problem or is there something else that
1: well, what's the definition of physical therapy?
0: Hot packs, leg lifts, and ultrasound is the joke I always make because.
1: Well, know, yeah, it. It, it hasn't been defined. It's not defined on any website that I've seen. Yeah. You know, so if we don't define our profession in what constitutes physical therapy, well, this is easy. Other people define it for us and we're at the mercy of that.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, Yeah.
1: I, if I'm ruffling feathers, toughen up, you know, uh, I mean, I am a diehard physical therapist. And, you know, I pride myself in that, but, you know, it cracks me when, you know, when we do run into those instances where people, when you bring up the term physical therapy, they conjure up a red TheraBand, a hot pack ultrasound, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and geez, I mean, what a, what a disservice to the profession.
0: Right. I think we've gotten past, I remember when, I think we got the past the stage of being called physical terrorists. Cause I think when I was Shadowing for uh, to go back to PT school, that was the in joke about 15 years ago. I I feel like we've gotten past that because no one said that in the last few years, but you know, it was like you get. I I saw this guy post, uh, like, I don't know what kind of shoulder surgery, like some arthroscopic surgery, and the therapist was just yanking his arm into flexion. I'm just like, yeah, that was Uh. painful. And the guy's like bracing against it. I was like, that can't be good for people, but you know, I mean, that's what some people did, maybe still do.
1: We had uh, Jen Shelton, who is this just character of a person. Uh, she's she's a badass athlete um, and just a tough, gritty woman. And um, she was one of the keynote speakers at the Rising Tide event, the inaugural year we had it in um, in New Mexico. Uh, she was she was a you know the flower child and born to run that would show up hungover and win the race and just yeah. beat everyone. Um, but you know she was speaking to her experience in, in working with physical therapists. And she said something that just will stick with me the rest of my life is physical therapists are your best friends in healthcare, you know? And and I think that that's sort of how we need to uh, paint ourselves, you know? And, you know, yeah, there's a science to it and there's an art, I I like that, you know? Um, But I I do think that we need to make a push and I think that we need some badass marketers um, who, who are all huddling up to try and figure out not only, you know, what defines a profession, but our place in the healthcare system. Yeah. So.
0: No, I, I, I 100% agree. I think you know, it's, it's funny. You're talking about like, she, you show up hungover. like the guy who would show up to a cross race and forget his shoes and, um, win on Birkenstocks. Right. Yeah. You know, but like, <laughs> you're like, damn you. I'm like, come on, man. You're like, you weren't, you decided to wear shorts. So you just win in Birkenstocks. Yeah. Um, but it, it is, uh, uh, that gets my brain off track into like, I want to talk to Chris about performance in a second. Um, but I do think it is like it's a there's a messaging issue and I don't know if we can all agree. Like there's so much infighting. like I did this thing where I put up on Instagram uh, my definition of physical therapy. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I was like physical therapists are doctors of movement and, you know, injury or something like that or pain. And, and when I put it up on my page, people who followed me were like, "Yeah, hell yeah!" And I put it up um, uh, over on uh, Physiogram, and people were like, "Hell no! We do all these other things." And I was just like, "This is weird," and it just shows there's this big disconnect and discord, you know, like in so many ways. Um, do you see, like, like, do you see, like, how we as a profession, like, like, kind of like transcend, like, some of this bullshit and like actually focus on helping people and understand what we can do for them? and Because it's so powerful, like some of the things you do and Kelly Kelly Stritt does, and even people that people don't know na- nationally, like what we can do for people, but like how do we become part of that conversation?
1: Yeah, I think we need to look at what are the common denominators among people who are really helping and serving uh, the community who's yeah. who's in need of physical therapy. And I think that rather than, I think one of the challenges that we face in our profession is we have a lot of smart people in the profession. And, you know, social media, we run the risk of everyone's trying to be more clever, or be, you know, clever and then have this sarcastic element to it. And I just check out, that's why I'm not on Twitter. It's just Mm -hmm. people trying to one up each other. And sometimes good conversations can be had, don't get me wrong. Um, But, you know, that's what, that's what I sense. So I think we look to the common denominators of what goes into quality care, not only what we think, but what the consumer thinks. Right. And, you know, I'll, I'll put up a post in the upcoming days, you know, when people come to see us, they want us to just shut up and listen. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't expect us to do anything to people, you know, and I think because of the whole coding and billing world that there is an impetus for us to do things to people. And and I think that that sets the stage for trouble. And I think we should just we should be charging for our time, not billing all these random units like person was with me for 30 minutes or an hour, you know, or 45 minutes. So, yeah, I think there's a massive overhaul, um, that needs to be done. And I think these are just big, slow grinding gears and, um, you know, but I, I think that we will get there. Um, but it's not going to happen overnight and it's going to require a very concerted effort. And, um, you know, the other thing that's tricky with the profession, you know, I think there are a lot of people who are part of the APTA and there are a lot of people who aren't, you Mm know, um, and I was a part of the APTA for a while and I, I haven't been recently, um, for a variety of reasons, and maybe that's, uh, you know, that's a mistake on my part, but, um, I try to at least be a resource for people and represent the profession in, in a positive way. Uh, so,
0: yeah, I think like, I guess my, my next question is what are you seeing Because you specialize in like uh, performance running triathlon Ironman mm-hmm. stuff are you seeing anything in that demographic of people who your patients you're working with or people that are coming to you for help, like specific things that they're asking for that they're not getting from their performance coaches or, um, other like trainers or, you know, like, do you, do you kind of have a, I was sure you have a good pulse on like, what's the gap, you know, that, that you're able to help them close between like, uh, you know, like my, my cycling, swimming, running coach and, uh, going to the orthopedic surgeon or actually just, you know, finishing or getting a PR or something like, do you know, like you have a
1: good sense of like, what are they saying is the gap that they're coming to you for? Well, I think that it's, it's indecision and in lack of communication. Mm-hmm. So, um, I work with a, a couple coaches and, um, in the best coaches in the world reach out when, when they have questions and they say hey look i'm running into this issue with an athlete and i just wanted to pick your brain and get a lens into what your thoughts are what the considerations are because i feel like i'm a little bit hand-tied and this is out of my jurisdiction yeah that's why they're a high caliber coach and that's why they have all pros on their roster is because they know when they're on topic and when they're off topic and when they're off topic they reach out to someone that they think has command of the space that can troubleshoot with them um I think people don't identify what point A is and they don't understand someone's past medical history. So if you're a coach and you don't take someone through some battery of physical performance tests to get a lens into what point A is, and you don't understand someone's past medical history, and you start tinkering with their workloads, fuck man, you're up shit creek, you know? Yeah. Because if someone has a history of an Achilles tendinopathy and they're a master level runner and you fail to identify that they may have some calf weakness, well, per- their performance is going to suffer you know, at best. Mm-hmm. Um, but they very likely could go on to deal with a recurrent injury because you weren't even aware of the fact that this person could have you know, deficits in their soleus strength of 30% you know, and above. So I think we all appreciate that you know, the longer you're on this earth, that you're going to be dealing with something in the form of a past medical history. And you need to really unpack all of those uh, those things. Um, yeah, that takes so
0: a, I, that takes someone checking their big ego at the door, though, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, and it takes a lot. I mean, I, when I first start working with someone, you know, if it's from a coaching standpoint, I say, look, let's. I want to talk to you for a couple times, you know, or have a couple chats with you, and those could be forty-five minutes to an hour. Yeah. And I say I'm not going to do any coaching yet, but I want you to to show me what you would put down left to your own devices for the next two to three weeks. And then we start approaching it from, you know, like a funnel and we slowly will distill things down until we, we agree on what the target is. And then we follow that because that target is always moving. It's like, you're going through life. I was just talking to an athlete and her best friend died. Oh, target moved. (laughs) You know, like you have to respond quick too and be nimble. Um, So yeah, I, I think that, Good coaches, a lot of them will start to learn from uh, the coaches that I speak to, um, who reach out when their athletes run into trouble. Um, they'll start to also develop a little bit more of a refined sense of when an athlete's around muddy water. You know, yeah. um, is this something that I need to be a, a little bit more vigilant in monitoring? You know, and if it's a green light, have at it. Yeah,
0: yeah. So that's awesome. Well, I want to I want to kind of ask you a couple other questions, a little bit different, but. So hopefully, like my train of thought, like makes mm-hmm. sense to people. I want to know, like, if you were to go back to Chris Johnson at age 28, you were you were running at the, when you were younger, right? I was running around New York City like like a teenage boy. Great, perfect. So if you were to go back and tell Chris at 25 to 28 years old about like how to run faster, better, longer, what would you tell him?
1: uh well this all i, I mean it, it became abundantly clear when um when i connected with mimi who's my current wife mm-hmm. um that's when my performance started to take off and i i've always trained consistently i had one of those holy shit moments uh you know for better or for worse when i was eight, eighteen 18 or 19 where an orthopedic surgeon said look if you put on 10 to 15 pounds of body weight, you're going to need knee replacements when you're 35, you know, and that was, uh, that was one of those like, yeah. Oh my gosh, like I, I can't screw around. Um, so I, I always trained consistently. So that was never the problem. And I always prioritize sleep. I, you know, my friends used to call me grandpa in college. Um, but it was when in that changed a little bit when I got to New York, I was probably, you know, burning the candle from both ends a little bit. But when I met my wife and we started getting serious um, we would be in bed at 10 o'clock, you know, she's incredible with food. I've always prioritized fueling. Um, and just to have health and balance in that, in that, in, in, at that same time, I had resigned from my post, uh, where I was working at Lenox Hill hospital and, uh, Dr. Nicholas's practice. And that's when I blossomed as an athlete, an entrepreneur, a friend, a person, you know, mm-hmm. And I think it's really, and that's a tricky balance to strike. And I won't say that I've done it perfectly since then. Um, but I think it's, you take these wellness factors, you know, as um, it, the saying goes, simple, not easy. Right. So we get tugged a million different ways and you're always sort of chasing gravy trains as an entrepreneur. And um, But yeah, that's when it, it became really clear because I went and did a half Ironman in, um, in Florida and ended up going third or fourth and qualified for half Ironman world championships. And that was uh, the first time, like I legitimately came in under five hours. Um, wow. so I was like, geez,
0: that's awesome. I How guess, old were you then?
1: Uh, I was right around that age. Yeah. I mean, that was, I think it was like 28.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah, I
1: look back and go, I should have been fueling on the bike
0: differently with real food. Hundred percent. I, I was sponsored by, I had cliff bars coming out my ears and I'd finish rides hungry and but I wasn't eating on five hour rides. I wasn't eating like real food, like little sandwiches and rice cakes and all that stuff. And uh, like my off season, like, like my off season training, like I wasn't optimizing uh, movement and strength. I was just lifting in the gym, like, you know, I learned in high school, <laughs> but it was mostly the food. Like if I go on a four hour bike ride now, I don't I don't come home hungry. I come home like satisfied and not needing energy. And I think that was a huge thing for me.
1: Yeah. The fueling on the, I mean, as an endurance athlete, especially once you start getting into to work over 90 minutes to two hours. Um, and when I, when I program for people, I am always putting notes in there, you know, yeah. and where I have gaps, I reach out to a couple of nutritionists and RDs that I know. Um, yeah, that's awesome. So.
0: Yeah. It was like the homemade uh, rice cakes and granola bars that I started making. Um, it like eight years ago when I did, my wife and I just said, she's like, you got to do the paleo thing with me for a month. And I was like, um, or a whole thirty for a month. I was like, well, "What am I gonna eat on the bike?"
1: <laughs> and yeah. I
0: had to like make my own stuff, and I was like, "Shit, I should have been eating like this, you know, when I was racing seriously." Instead, I was eating like tofu and pasta and rice aroni and all the junk, you know.
1: Yeah, you really get old. T- <laughs> you get old too old too soon and smart too late. Mike Tyson. I know.
0: I know. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, is there anything? uh Like that in, like, whether it's treating patients or in your business that you look back and, God, I should have been doing this a little sooner?
1: Um, I would say that that's a good question. I started doing video around that time. And I think that a lot of people get bottlenecked in their attempts to put content out in the online space. And I would say, don't worry about critics. Mm -hmm. Put stuff out. And try to think about the challenges and the problems that people face and that they speak to when they're reaching out for your services and, and have that form the basis uh, or the theme of the content that you're putting out. Um, and I think it, as you do, you know, you'll self-optimize and you'll get better and more efficient. Uh, and more polished with this stuff. Um, so I think that's a main thing. Um, I would also, I think letting go of a lot of, you know, don't don't worry about the gram- the grammar police, right? right?? I think I you know, I took a lot of English courses uh, as an undergrad, and I've always enjoyed writing. But I think that have fun when you write and let go of the formalities. Because I think that the last thing someone wants to do is uh, be spoken to like, you know, it's Charlie Brown's teacher talking. Um, So have fun with it and and work your narrative into there. Mm -hmm. You know, I, you know, so you and I grew up probably roughly around the same time, Um, you know, so like the last post I put on Instagram, kid and play. A lot of people may not know who kid and play is, you know, but. If they don't, after that post, they're going to read it. Or if they do know, they're going to have a laugh. Right. Um, so I think that's that's what's fun. And I hear a lot of people talking about imposter syndrome nowadays. Mm-hmm. You can't be an imposter to yourself. So if you just work your story and your narrative into this, you know, no one's creating some mystical magical exercise. People think I do that. I'm sure there's someone you know that is you know that's been underground for 500 years. It was doing a lot of these moves that I'm putting on Instagram or social media. So don't worry about being an imposter, you know, but work your story and your narrative in, and that's how you, that's how you avoid doing that.
0: Yeah, that's, that's hundred percent true. I, I, I think that's a great uh, point to make is that people don't care. It's like the, just the inaction of waiting for it to be perfect. Mm-hmm. is just going to keep us from making progress rather than, uh, than just doing it and putting the video out there and writing it and not worrying about it. Um, Chris, what, uh, so tell me a little bit about like what's next for you, like what do you have? We're actually, let me ask you this question first. Tell me about your, you've got like the um, Runner zone and like a Facebook group, you know, can you tell me a little bit about those um, resources that you
1: have and like who they're for and where where we can, what they do? Yeah, so the Runner zone was born out of necessity, Um, probably similar to you sure you have a lot of people reaching out and uh, asking you different questions about setting up a business. You know, Mm -hmm. do you set this up as an LLC, you know, a PLLC, depending on what state you're in. Um, You know, where do you start with web Uh, website stuff? You know, what about a podcast? So I was having a lot of people reach out mainly clinicians, but clinicians, coaches, and even uh, passionate runners and endurance athletes. And they, kept firing all these questions and I want to do my best to follow up, but you know, you get to a point where you just can't keep up. So the runner zone was sort of born out of necessity and it was um, really just premised about trying to have a tight knit community and to, to make sure that I knew everyone in that community. And, uh, and that's something that, that was a decision I made, I think with these Facebook groups. So the, you know, to back up a second, the runners, the runner zone is, a membership platform with a private Facebook group attached to it. And to say it's an active group is an understatement. And we just have clinicians, coaches, uh, RDs, physicians, um, you know, you name it. We have that discipline covered. And these are people from all over the world. So I think it's a really unique community. And we're, we're very much on the pulse of things, you know, because we have – people who are in the trenches working with runners across the injury to performance spectrum and then we also have people who are in the research space um, who are maybe privy to information that's going to be published soon and they already know what the results were um so and we just really try to fast track people you know and help them get positioned as a go-to resource in their community and uh so it, it's fun, and it's fun to watch a lot of other people just take off who who have been a part of this community. I think it's going on five years now. Um, so yeah, that's awesome. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I mean, it's been helpful for me uh, when I was just being in it. At least when I was treating patients a few years ago, it was like a great re- a great resource. I haven't been treating patients in a few years. I I would like to think that my brain still works and I can still see problems. But you know, it's one thing that I'll go and like treat my staff and be like, oh. <laughs> My brain has to start working again in this mode, like this zone of my brain has to start working again, but it it was an awesome resource. And uh, I think it's really great. If someone wants to check it out or go um, find out more information about it, like where where should we send them or what's the best place for them to go?
1: Uh, To my website, chrisjohnsonpt.com and uh, click the runner zone and uh, it'll sort of give you an overview uh, of what's entailed. And shit, man, you and I were talking about that. You know, I mean, you helped spawn that thing um and you know you go through when you when you try and get something like this up and running you know you're gonna run into some roadblocks and some kinks and you just need to stay persistent until you get it done um and people never see the back end of this stuff like sometimes you know I'll go there and people say hey the, none of the lesson plans are up I'm like what do you mean and for some reason they may do an update with the theme on my website and it doesn't carry over so I have to go in and upload them again you know, these are, uh, this is a messy backstage to being an entrepreneur that no one sees. And it, it always hits at like five o'clock on a Friday. You know, Oh, tell you, me
0: about it. Dude, yeah. before we got on this show, I was like, wait a minute, the link to the Cash V D Blueprints going to the old WordPress website and it's broken. I'm like, what's going yeah. on? I'm like, someone, I'd sent a team message to my team, someone help. They're like, we can't, we can't get into the back end because you have the password. Yeah. You know, like it is, it's messy, but you just keep doing it, right?
1: Yeah. And you get better at troubleshooting. And and I think it's really empowering when you have command of a lot of these systems. Uh, so you don't have to always farm stuff out, but know when to farm things out. Yeah.
0: What um, What's next for Chris Johnson? Like, what where, where do you see yourself in five years? Are you working? Because you've had an app. You got this membership site. You still you treat patients. You're training for something again. Uh,
1: you know, what's... What's on the horizon? I'm thinking about becoming a social media influencer. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know. do not I mean I, I do it, I don't I want you a job? I,
0: do the people pay you to do
1: <laughs> I don't know. It's uh <laughs> I just laugh. People have referred to me as that. I'm like, oh the world has problems. Um, I I wanna help other people across the you know the the injury to performance spectrum um, and just open doors and really, you know, redefine what the standard of care is when you're working not only with endurance athletes, but just people in general. Um, And so my, my main goal right now is to try and get this stuff out to the masses. And again, I I've zoomed in on who my ICA is um, and now it's just really speaking to them and really trying to learn as much as I can about their struggles and the experiences that they're going through. Um, so I can problem solve with them, Yeah, you know? And I think that's what we do as entrepreneurs. We, we figure out ways to problem solve with people and, you know, uh, no solution, no problem.
0: Right, well, that's why I see the, the similarities between me as a clinician, and as an entrepreneur, is all I'm doing is problem solving with people. It's like, show me a problem, let's figure out how to, you know, figure it out <laughs> together, yeah. right? You know? Yeah. I mean, um, dude, that's awesome. What, uh, I got one more question for you. Is there something I haven't asked you that you think is important to share?
1: Ah, something, I'll tell you what, man. You know, it's taken me, I'm 42 right now. Mm -hmm. And um, I I work with a a brilliant coach um, and someone who I've known for a while um, named Licia Morelli. Uh, She and I grew up in Pittsburgh. You know, her brothers were, you know, well-known football players um, in uh, in Western Pennsylvania. And, um, you know, she she and I have been working a lot together and uh, she's just brilliant because she she knows me. She knows my child. She knows we ran. We were in the same fifth grade, fifth grade class. And uh, and she's just become this brilliant I don't even know how you describe her. I'll let her describe her herself, but you can go to her website and check it out, Um, But we have spent a lot of time really refining my story. And and I put my about section together. And I think it took me this long to come to terms because there are a lot of things in my past that were dark that, that I still am having to wrap my head and get clarity on. And, um, you know, so I put that out recently and that's been something that's really interesting. And I would encourage people to really revisit your about section on your website, because you never know who's looking at that. Um, and, and come clean with your story and people know when you're bullshitting them, you know, you want it to be, accurate you want it to embody who you are as a person as a clinician as an athlete a coach Um, you want to talk about your struggles you know you know the highs you know Um, and and i think when you do that it's going to give you clarity on who you are and really how to best move forward Um, so that was fun and uh and i feel like since then um it's been very liberating like I feel like I just graduated from high school all over and I have the world at my fingertips. <laughs> awesome. Um, so yeah. And
0: is there, there are like specific that like working with her, like you like realized, Oh, like that's important. Like, was there something that you like glossed over or just been putting aside as, as a pivotal piece for who, who Chris is and how he relates to people?
1: Yeah, I think it's speaking to the truth of matters, but without naming names, mm-hmm. you know? So certain times, you know, you go through life and you're like, screw this person. Like, you know, what the hell were they thinking? Yada, yada. Let all that go. You know, you can speak to the experience, how that made you feel, what you learned from it, and how it's going to make you a better person moving forward. And if we're speaking to physical therapists, why that puts you into such a good position to troubleshoot with someone. Um, And since I put up that about section, it's been interesting. I've had literally in the past two weeks, three or four people reach out to me and they said, I want you to know that I'm, I'm contacting you because I think we'd be a good fit based on your about section. Wow. wow. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. And she warned me about that. And I didn't realize I'm like, yeah, she's probably right. You know? And then it, it, it became like, I saw, I read the writing on the wall. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think that it is clinicians. We put up this website and we rushed to get it up there really think about what you're putting down on that website. Because if you say, hey, go see Aaron or go see Chris, what's anyone in this day and age going to do? They're going to go type in your name online because they want to start to demystify who you are. And if you can start speaking to these things and give a lens into where you're coming from and you know how you help people, um, they're going to start to have confidence if you're the best person to, to troubleshoot with them. Yeah. Dude, absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah.
0: Um, Chris, um, if someone wants to get in touch with you or like connect with you online, uh, besides going to your your website, which we'll put a link uh, you know below, um, what that's ChrisJohnsonPT.com, But like, is there a best place like Facebook, Instagram, somewhere else? Not Twitter, of course.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm I'm pretty active on Instagram, um, and you can you can message me through there. Okay. Um, I will do my best to try and follow up. I get to say I get inundated. It's a double-edged sword because I want to follow up. And um, the easiest thing to do is to text me at three four right. You're going to go up now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and no one picks up out in Seattle, which is funny. I, I always laugh at this because they're like, Brooklyn, who the hell is calling me from Brooklyn? Yeah. You know? <laughs> So, but yeah, I put it out there because that's yeah. easy. I can, I can do voice dictation back. Um, yeah. And if I don't respond, uh, apologies, just yeah. message me again and just say, Chris, pick up your phone. You lazy bastard. Yeah.
0: Right. So, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, dude. Um, well, I'm really, ex- I'm really stoked to, to have you here. Would love to like have, like come out to Seattle for another visit, but that's not going to be possible for a little while. Um, but I appreciate you spending time with us today and, and dropping some insights because, I don't know, this is just, I just get a kick out of it because you're incredibly interesting. You've done a ton of stuff for the for the, uh, for the the profession and uh, we go back like five or six years and it's great to catch up with you and uh, get to, in quotes, pick your brain because um, there's some amazing things in there that I know we didn't even touch. So uh, thank you so much.
1: Appreciate it. Uh, Of course, I appreciate you having me on. And, uh, you know, it's fun to watch your evolution and um, to see you going about your business, leaving no stone unturned. And, uh, and I think that um, for people who don't really know you, that you look at things through a 360 degree lens, and that's a sign of a consummate pro. And I think that's a tricky thing to do, because that's not the norm. So yeah, Kudos to you, and uh, again, thanks for having me on, and I hope you and your family are well. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you, brother, I appreciate it, and I hope you guys
0: uh, stay healthy and um, not uh, like feeling better from the, the second vaccine, because mine's in two days. Yeah, <laughs> so no, I'll I make sure it. not to call you on
1: that day. <laughs> right, Outside to so just check in Friday. and make sure you're alive. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, um, but I appreciate the kind words. Thank you so much. Of um, course. Well, for Christopher Johnson and Aaron LeBauer, this is the Cash BD Lunch Hour. Get out there, get curious. uh, Leave no stone left unturned because Chris certainly doesn't either. And we'll see you guys on the next show. Thank you. Hey, what's up, it's Aaron. Real quick, if you're just starting a cash-based physical therapy practice or you already have one and you wanna learn how to grow it and scale it, this is for you. I just released my brand new book, The Cash PT Blueprint. Because I wanna get this book in the hands of every physical therapist out there. I wanna give it away to you for free. All I ask is that you pay a little bit of shipping and handling, and you'll not only get the steps to create your own cash practice, but the tools to grow it and scale it beyond what everyone else thinks is possible. To snag your copy right now, go to CashPTBlueprintBook.com. That's C-A-S-H-P-T-B-L-U-E-P-R-I-N-T-B-O-O-K.com. And we you get your copy, give me a shout out somewhere on social media, and we'll talk to you soon.